Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And this is Love to Tell the Story. It's actually a very quiet and disarmingly gentle way to begin what is almost certainly the most distressing story that's ever been told. When it was evening, he came with the twelve, Mark writes, and when they had taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. I'm discovering that one of the many benefits of having adult children is that mealtime is not always as chaotic as it once was. Granted, it's still very busy, especially on holidays, and especially when you live in a small parsonage and all three of the kids and their significant others come to celebrate. Oftentimes, it's nothing short of a miracle and a testament to my wife's great culinary and preparatory skills that we even manage to sit down and eat at all. With that said, compared to the days when we were regularly distracted with high chairs, fussy toddlers, and projectile peas, even the craziest of holiday feasts, and trust me here, friends, we've seen a few, even the craziest of holiday feasts seem relatively calm in comparison. I know someday grandchildren will enter into this mix, and things will again become wonderfully crazy. But for now, I have to say that I've really enjoyed these quiet, leisurely meals with my family. The best part, however, at least for me, has always been the conversation that happens around the table. Honestly, when our kids are around, it's what I look forward to the most. There's lots of teasing and laughter, a multitude of very bad jokes, mostly courtesy of yours truly, and a whole lot of reminiscing about beloved people and of days gone by. And sooner or later, there's also lots of discussion and sharing about matters of life and living, hopes and dreams, even a smattering of things relating to politics and religion. And inevitably, the conversation goes on and on long after dessert is done. Our conversations can often be, as they say, sparkling and as light as air. Other times, though, things can really get deep and intense as we hash it all out. The thing is, the great thing, is that there's always a lot of love as we share together. Along with, I might add, much hope and anticipation for everything that awaits each of the people sitting around that table as the future unfolds. I've been thinking a lot about those mealtime conversations in relation to that verse from Mark that I just shared with you. Part of his account of the Passover meal shared by Jesus and those disciples on the fateful night of betrayal and desertion. A meal that, as I alluded before, sets the stage for the rest of the passion story that's to follow. Truthfully, speaking biblically, historically, and theologically, there's a whole lot to consider about those particular verses. But I have to be honest with you here. For as long as I can remember, my thoughts about this account of Jesus' Last Supper it's always been centered first on, well, atmosphere. What it must have been like for those disciples to be there with Jesus sharing that meal on that night. And most of all, what the mealtime conversation must have been like. Now, remember that this was the Passover meal, 
so you know that so much of the feasting was steeped in generations of cherished tradition. Understand that in the midst of this meal, there were no words spoken, no songs sung, no prayers prayed that did not stand for something important. But beyond this, there most certainly had to have been a great deal of casual conversation. And that's where my fascination lies. <laughs> Simply put, I wonder what they talked about. Did they speak about the day just passed? Were they laughing together about some funny thing they'd seen or about something cute said by one of the children that were lingering about? Did they comment on Jesus' teaching or ask him for some clarification on one point or another? Were they whispering to one another about the look of consternation on the faces of the scribes and Pharisees, those religious leaders that always seem to be there on the periphery? Or maybe, maybe might they have been quietly acknowledging some of the gossip that they'd surely heard on the street about a possible plot to arrest Jesus? And did that have anything to do with what Jesus had been saying about the Son of Man being delivered in the hands of sinners? In many ways, I suspect, it was probably more of the same kind of table talk they'd engaged in probably every evening for all those many months they had been following Jesus. Except tonight, it was different. Because tonight, right in the middle of dinner, here's Jesus saying, One of you will betray me. And even as the disciples, one by one, are all answering this by saying, Surely not I. Jesus doubles down, so to speak, by adding, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the bowl with me, and woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. One thing is for sure, that was not your typical mealtime conversation. But this was a conversation, it turned out, needed to happen and one that would serve to lift up for them and for us the infinite importance of what happened next. Because then Jesus, again, while they were eating, took a loaf of bread, blessed and broke it, and then gave it to his disciples, saying, This, this is my body. And afterwards he, he took a cup, blessed the fruit of the vine that was within, and he gave it to them, and he proclaimed that this represented his blood, his blood poured out for many. And there was more. But as Jesus continued to speak, talking about how this was going to be the last time they'd shared wine together until the coming of his father's kingdom, I'm sure at this point, the disciples were already starting to feel utter confusion. Looking at one another, and saying, at least to themselves, and looking to one another for some kind of response, could Jesus actually be saying what it sounds like he's saying? What does he mean someone's going to betray him? Is he seriously accusing us? Surely he knows us better than that. We'd never betray him. Even if something does happen, we would never betray him. Of course, we do know that something was about to happen, and very soon. Something sad and horrible and repulsive and filled with anguish and despair. 
There was about to be more darkness in the world than humanity had ever experienced and and would ever experience again. And as Jesus spoke those words around the table, perhaps now those confused disciples had begun to get some inkling of it. But they couldn't possibly understand. Not yet. Which is what makes this strange promise Jesus made regarding the bread and the wine so important. Because in the memory of this strange meal they just shared, perhaps the disciples we begin to understand, if only in a glimmer, what Jesus was about to do for them, and for all of humanity, and for you and me. Perhaps it was Jesus' promise in the bread and cup that would give them some scant comfort in the next few desperate hours and in the next couple of dark days that were about to come. Maybe it would be the single thing that reminded them of the eternal truth of Jesus' words, even in those moments that seemed the most hopeless. Or maybe not, at least not for them. Truthfully, I suspect that by Friday afternoon, the disciples were so scattered, so despairing, and so without hope, they simply went into hiding and didn't think about anything at all except the thudding pain of their own grieving hearts. Eventually, later on, when everything had changed, well, then they'd remember, but not yet, not now. For us, however, it's different. We are also, you see, the recipients of Jesus' promise, so long ago made at that table of blessing. And maybe, just maybe, as on this Holy Week and Maundy Thursday and Good Friday, we recall in shame the many ways that we were there as they crucified our Lord, maybe we'll find our comfort and peace in Jesus' table talk assurance that he would be with us always and forever bringing forgiveness, grace, and saving love even unto the end of the age. Seems to me that this is the truly good news of what is an infinitely difficult and painful time. Good news that is ours in Jesus, our Savior. And for this, what can we say? But thanks be to God. And with that, we're at the end of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.